Hey guys, brand new podcast, No Leanne. So this will be short, not, not some long-winded, whiny bitch just fucking talking on about her own podcast, Wipe of the Party, available everywhere. Uh, it's just me, Bert. Stand-up comedy dates, Laugh Out Loud San Antonio, the 5th through 7th of April. Comedy Off-Broadway, the 12th through 14th of April. Wise Guys Comedy Club in Utah, Salt Lake City, 19th to 21st. Is someone drunk? A little bit. It's been a long fucking day. Uh, I just did the solo podcast, which will come out tomorrow for you. I think tomorrow, the day after. The day after. Um, which is great. I love, I'm really loving those solo podcasts. I'm enjoying doing them. They're helping me write. I was in Sacramento this weekend, and I wrote a ton of new material. And it's based off of that. So I'm going to keep those coming. And, and by the way, you don't have to listen. If you don't want to listen, don't listen. But it's helping me write. So... I enjoy it. I just go through all the stuff I Google on the internet. Uh, Zany's Comedy, the 3rd and 4th of May, Cinco de Mayo, and then I think I'm there then, and then on the 6th, I'm in stand-up Huntsville, Alabama. Hey, did you know the Birdcast is now available on Spotify? Spotify is making it easy for you to stream this podcast and many others just like it on your mobile device, desktop app and or smart speaker open the app on your mobile or desktop click on the browse channel and then click podcast section take us with you wherever you go thank you spotify today's podcast is also brought to you by beach body on demand let me tell you something i had sex with leanne a week ago she talked about it on the podcast on her podcast and it was phenomenal and i'm being dead serious when i say this i have definitely noticed a difference in her body uh, like it is amazing thank you beach body fucking thank you it's so crazy the older you get the more you feel age coming on you i did the marathon recently and uh are you gonna talk about that again bert probably a little bit but i couldn't walk for a while and i started lifting weights but if you don't know how to lift weights if you don't know what to do with to lift weights then you're kind of in the dark you end up doing biceps shoulders lats maybe that's it i go to this beach body app there are literally thousands of workout videos this company is the company behind p90x insanity 21 day fix t25 brazilian butt lift payo hip-hop abs three-week yoga retreat and many many more they are the best trainers they are certified super trainers like sean t chenille johnson tony tony horton's got these like uh podcast workouts that he does where it's basically a podcast i don't think he knows it's a podcast but it's a podcast it's him working out and just talking to camera like like if if you just worked out with someone for two hours that's the podcast but you do it with him it's really fucking great anyway leanne's body looks fucking slamming it really does naked you won't get to see it she'll never show anyone but (laughs) maybe we'll do some tasteful nudes me and her anyway i'm 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 on a, I did my recent special shirtless and I looked belicious, bellylicious. And I'm, I decided I'm going to get fucking yoked. I decided it. Beachbody is going to be my way to go about getting yoked. Um, it's super easy for me on the road. I can just pull it up on my app, bring it to the gym, throw my uh, headsets in, which are Bluetooth and just listen to the workout and do it. Um, over a million people have joined this community. It is next. It's, it might be the, it's so much better than joining a gym in my opinion. And here's the deal. Uh, 
Right now, my listeners can get a free trial membership when you text BERT to 303030. Text BERT to 303030. Text BERT to 303030. I want you to try this. Look, I'm not a guy that tries to be inspirational about workout stuff. I just do what I do, and I hope that if you find an inspirational, that's fucking awesome. I didn't run the marathon to like try to prove anything other than to my three fucking friends that were wrong that I don't have the Mickey Mantle gene. But uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to change your life, like Vance Hines, great guy. Dude, start with Beachbody. I- I'm telling you right now, super user-friendly. It's so much easier to go into your fucking bedroom, your man cave, your living room when everyone's asleep and bang out a workout. I use the beast body. That guy's a fucking great guy. Text 303030 and text Bert to 303030. That's Beachbody. Thank you so much for your sponsorship, Beachbody. Beachbody, a better way to not look fat as fuck. Beachbody. This podcast is also brought to you by Squarespace. God, I really wish Leanne was here for these because Leanne is so good because we use these, but she's so much more eloquent in how we use them. Leanne redesigned our website. So we had a website. It was pretty good. It's burtburtburt.com. And uh, <coughs> I don't think we thought there was any problems with it. And then I, Leanne got a hair up her ass. We weren't even sponsored by Squarespace. And she was like, I bet I can do better. By the way, Leanne is technologically blind like she could not she she is the person that goes the computer is broken why does it always break when i use it and you're like it's the way you're using it so she went online went on to squarespace it's so easy she did it and it changed our business to the next level Our our shirt sales are up my touring's up my sweatshirts are up the beanies are up like and it's, and it's much more user-friendly. And what's great is that now we run their website. Like, it's super easy because Leanne's like, oh, I got this, that, that, and that. And she does it. We're doing these challenge coins. They're going to come out soon. Um, I just got to figure out the right way to do it. I don't want to release too many. I want it to be special. But I told Leanne about it. And I was like, this is going to be a dead end with her. And she was like, oh, no. Squarespace can help us figure that out. And I was like, fuck yes. You can turn any idea you have into a brand new, cool fucking website. Showcase your works, your ideas, publish your blogs, your podcasts, your your vlogs. Leanne did her podcast, Wife of the Party, on Squarespace. The point of my read in this is that if you have something you want to showcase and you want a website, Squarespace is a place to do it. Here's the deal. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BERTCAST to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. Enter the code BERTCAST. Squarespace. Don't look like an idiot online. Squarespace. Is that? That's that's not a read. This podcast is also brought to you by Lisa Mattresses. That is what my number one daughter sleeps on. George is my favorite. Otto's my second favorite out of the two. Um, but we got her a Lisa mattress. Uh, look, that's my princess. That's my Cinderella. You think I'd put her on a fucking pee-ridden mattress? I meant, you know what I mean? Let's do this read again. 
This podcast is also brought to you by Lisa Mattresses. Lisa is an innovative direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that is also socially conscious. Driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody, they donate one mattress to a shelter for every 10 they sell through their 1 to 10 program. That's 22,000 mattresses. They also, these hardcore motherfuckers, plant a goddamn tree for every mattress sold and donate 1% of each employee's time to volunteer for local causes. Available online or at Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York City, or Virginia Beach. (laughs) What a weird... Why would they do those two? That's such a weird... Clearly, they're based out of Virginia Beach. Does that make sense? Right? American-made mattresses, ships compressed in a box to your door. We got Georgia's in a box, and Georgia was like, Dad, I'm never going to fit on that. It's too small. You open it up, it explodes, and then Georgia is literally has too much bed. Every morning, Leanne gets in bed with Georgia and cuddles with her. I think it would be creepy if I did it. I wish I could. I still love the kid. But Leanne gets in bed with Georgia, and Leanne's like, God damn, this Lisa mattress is fucking comfortable. I think... <coughs> If I was a better parent, Leanne would lay in that bed. I'd make breakfast. She'd sleep until fucking drop off and then start her day. Anyway, try the mattress in your home for 100 nights risk-free with free shipping always. You can now try it before you buy it at over 80 West Elm Street stores. You can now try it before you buy it at over 80 West Elm stores nationwide. Lisa's patent and universal adaptive feel is designed for all types of sleepers and features three premium foam layers, two inches of Avena top foam layer for cooling and breathability, two inches of memory foam in the middle layer for the body contouring and pressure relief, which happens in us old people over on our shoulders, six inches, that's almost as big as my dick, six inches of dense core support foam for durability, instruction for all sleepers of all sizes, not sure that sleep would cover Tom Scurry, so fucking fat, anyway, B Corp certified, Shopify, build a sense winner, They're fucking top-notch. Here's the deal. Lisa is continuing to expand its offerings to include the Lisa pillow, the Lisa blanket, the Lisa sheets, the Lisa foundation, and frame, all available online with free shipping. Go to lisa.com slash birdcast for $100 off the Lisa mattress. That's lisa.com slash birdcast for $100 off the Lisa mattress. Ladies and gentlemen, those are all my reads. How long has this been? It's been a long time. Um, no Leanne. I thought I'd make it shorter, but I think I made it longer. I'm a bad reader. This is why I have Leanne do the podcast with me. It's because she helps. By the way, I noticed that on a podcast a lot of times. I go, I do that a lot. Leanne kind of sinks me. She tells me to shut up and uh, move things forward. I miss my wife. I got I to pack. I got to go to Hawaii. Oh... I am buzzed. I'm going to have a cigar tonight. I haven't had a cigar in fucking months. This podcast you're about to listen to probably would be better with a better host. In my opinion. That's my that's my opinion. It's great. I'm not a I'm not a like I I love this podcast. This might be one of my favorite five minute intros I've ever had with him. 
I'm not going to spoil it for you. I want you to hear it. But it gets real. You hear realness happen in my voice. And you'll hear where I'm a shitty host. You'll hear where I, I, uh, I guess the theory would be let him off the hook. Like I, 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 I wanted to press it, but I didn't want to press it too hard. Because he was being vulnerable. He was being honest. He was sharing. But man, I had so many fucking questions that if I was drunk at a bar, I would have asked him. But on a podcast, I was like, oh, fuck. But I think ultimately because I didn't do that, we got so much further. Does that make sense? I think you did well. It was this, uh, this is one of those podcasts where I'm like, holy fucking shit. What's the name of his? He's got an album coming out, right? His album comes out May 12th. It's called No Real Winners Here. I'm telling you, if I, and I'm being real honest, if and I'm super fucking buzzed by now. If this album is anything like this interview, go get this goddamn album. He's first of all, I know he's an amazing joke writer. He's an amazing comedian. He has been hired by absolutely everyone to basically run their show. He's not a showrunner right now, I don't think, but he he gets brought in by everyone because man, there's a there's a handful of guys that we know as gangsters that that make sure you're covered as talent when you go in. There are guys like Mike Lawrence, Dan St. Germain, Kurt Metzger. There's a list of guys that you go, I don't have to worry about shit. I got this guy in my corner. Dan St. Germain is one of them. He is John Mulaney is one of them. Neil, they're, Brennan. They're, Neil Brennan is one of them. Whitney Cummings is one of them. There's so many people in this business that don't get enough respect because they're they're like because they come in behind the scenes and they make sure you look amazing. The reason you like Amy Schumer is Probably because of this guy. The reason you don't like her is it has nothing to do with him. <laughs> this podcast is fucking awesome. <clears throat> A little long-winded because I've been drinking. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast, stand-up comedian, Dan St. Germain. Uh, feel free to eat on the podcast if Thank you want. You. And uh, move the mic so where, however you can pull it and stretch it. You don't have to this lean good? into it. Yeah, whatever is comfortable. This is great. Beautiful house, by the way, Bird. Thank you very much. Uh, you were out front and you were uh, <laughs> lost. I was looking around and then I just heard, damn. How much coke do you think you've done in your life? <sighs> um, well... I I don't know the answer to that. I would not say a ton. I've had a Coke problem, but I would not say a ton because I didn't have the money to afford a true Coke problem in the sense yeah. that piles of shit. I will say four months ago, uh, I relapsed after oh, real? two and a half years for of real? sobriety. Yeah, I don't think I've talked about this on a podcast yet. So shit, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, I uh, I've been two and a half years sober. I was having debilitating panic attacks at work not oh, being able to breathe i know that um so the doctor prescribed me clonopin um and that was a bad move anti-seizure me. medicine but it is technically like xanax it's technically xanax it's it's more powerful than xanax so really yeah yeah way more powerful um at least it was for me i mean everybody's body is different but I was like, as soon as I took it, I was like, ah, shit, old Dan's back, you know? Really? So it was like, I was like driving through this, you know, it was like, it felt very like, oh, I gotta have a Bud Light. That's how it always starts, right? Yeah. 
So then, you know, I have a, you know, like the first day I just do the Xanax. I remember I went to see like a national concert. I don't remember any of it. Um, it was fun, but I don't remember just a lot Xanax. of it. You didn't drink or anything. No, this is the Klonopin. Just a Klonopin. No, nothing. Yeah. So then that Friday, I did a show at a comic book store. Oh, that Friday, I had gotten painkillers because I was like, oh, my back's kind of killing me, which it wasn't. But. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I popped the painkillers uh, with the Klonopin. And then I was at the comedy show. I had, a, I had a pretty good set. And then I went next door and I went to an Italian deli and I just got a Bud Light there. And then I was like, oh, this is fucking on. Yeah. I. Um, What's that feeling like? Like, I've never quit drinking. Well, I mean, I take that back. I've quit drinking for like a month at a time, a couple mm-hmm. months at a time. Um, but I've never, I've never, I've never said I was going to be sober. Like, right. I've never like committed to sobriety. Is there a, fu- is it, is that when you said that old Dan is back, that's, yeah. that's an interesting feeling. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning, you know, it's a lot of fun. And uh, look, man, I'm one of these guys that, you know, if you can Hunter S. Thompson it or you can, you know, you can be a functional whatever. I don't give a fuck. I don't look down on you. That's not yeah. my fucking job. For me, it doesn't work. Um, so, but yeah, then that next Saturday, I had gotten a number and I got... Um, an eight ball Coke, and I had to, I think I had to take an Uber to Playa Del Rey to get it. Um, Re- really? Yeah, yeah, because I didn't know I didn't want to drive because I was already fucking drunk in the morning, you know? Oh, you got drunk in the morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so wait, so- okay, hold on. Len, let's slow roll this. Okay, sorry. By the way, this is like porn for me. <laughs> like, I, I used to want to do a show of fault called Falling Off the Wagon with people. Yeah. And I wanted like Ben Affleck, Mel Gibson. Yeah, yeah. I wanted like. This is a couple steps down, but yeah. <laughs> but like, I wanted like. Because. I had a guy one time at, at, a, at a show, on my first TV show, come yeah. up to me and he was like, I've been watching you in the edit bay for a year and a half now and I just want to tell you, I've all I've wanted to do is take a shot with you. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, you're one of the funnest guys. I was like, well, let's do a shot. So we both got a shot of tequila, tapped it, showed it, and he goes, that's my first drink in six years. And I went, oh, fuck. <laughs> and so I was like, wow. And then he got fired a week later. He really oh, fucking went off the butt. Yeah. I said, hey, whatever happened to that guy? They're like, oh, they had to let him go. He was he had a, he was doing coke at work. And oh, my God. So, so then, so you have the beer at the Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. Beer at the Italian restaurant. I get home that, and as soon as that happens, it's like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, get a bunch of booze. Um, Live by yourself. Myself. Telling anybody? No, no. Um, I'm drinking all the fucking time. I'm I'm telling all the people I'm trying to hit up for coke. Can't get anything. I said, "All right, well, the fucking best, the best place for me to get drugs out of nowhere that night is I'm gonna go to I'll go to this uh, club Tenant of Trees, which is in like." Echo part Los Feliz. I go in there. I'm like stumbling around, like trying to find. And then I stumble in and who's in there but my manager <laughs> out of nowhere just having a drink. So I like run out. At this point, I drink so much. I just stumble out and I just start puking in front of fucking tenant of trees. I jump in an Uber back. I pass out. I wake up the next day. Um, I start drinking and the whole time I was fucking shitty, man. I was like texting people that week and, you know, reaching out to people I probably shouldn't have reached out to and like, and then ghosted them completely. You know what I mean? And like, I, you know, loved ones and shit like that and totally ghosted them, you know, and people who really cared about me. I still feel really bad about that. But, uh, uh, that day, uh, I, yeah, I got up. I started drinking like crazy. I took a Playa del Rey. There's a little part of that that's romantic because you've been sober your whole Two time in L.A., years. right? Yeah. No. When I was in L.A., I mean, I've, t- I've talked about this in part, but I'll talk again. The last time I drank, I was in Koreatown looking for coke. Like, I was flagging cars down with my fucking hands looking for cocaine. 
And then I got beat up on the street by two cholos at a 7-Eleven on the really? corner. Yeah. So I hadn't drank since that point. Okay. So this was the first time since then. So that day, um, I fucking, I grab, uh, yeah, I, I, I take the Uber to Playa del Rey. I remember I stopped at Taco Bell. I got a quesarito. Then I went uh, to Playa del Rey. This guy, and he was like the most relaxed Coke dealer I've ever met, you know, yeah. but he was around there. It was either Marina del Rey, Playa del Rey, I forget. Um, so he gives me, he gives me his eight ball. I do a little bit there at the place i do uh i I take the uber back i start doing it at my house i I remember i was just doing blow i actually invited one friend over and i'm like look i'm not on blow but if you just want to drink uh i'm nervous to be alone or some bullshit i just wanted somebody to drink with yeah we started drinking um then he left i'm like "Ah, i think it's hooker time uh i call up for an escort she comes over um we start fucking going, you know, like, we, you know, we're having like, like fucking, you know, fucked up. Was she hot? What? Was she hot? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was good. She, really? she was real hot. What color hair? Uh, she was, she was like half Asian, half Cuban, you know, Ooh. but I mean, my dick was worthless and it's not like she was fucking attracted to me, you know, like <laughs> she was there to do a job. I don't think that I was her type. I think I was an easy night for her because yeah. you don't really have to fuck. And uh, I'm not going to beat the shit out of her. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, I'm not like a threat. I'm not a serial killer. Worst thing, worst case scenario, she has to read like a script you're working on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. She's like, you know, can you actually just hit me? Uh, I really don't want to see your reimagining of the honeymooners. So I start, I start fucking, we start fucking around and I'm like, oh, we should do Molly. And she goes, she's like, uh, she's like, oh yeah, I got some back at my place. And I'm like. Oh, cool! Yeah, let's do that. And she, I'm like, how much is it for a night with you? So I go from spending nine hundred bucks to twenty five hundred. Um, I go with her back to her place. We start hooking up and whatever. And again, it's like I can hardly get it up, man. Yeah. I'm going, you know, and and it's like, and then and this is the funniest part is like I didn't pay her in cash. Instead, I just used my PayPal to donate to her catering company. Uh, she's like, that's what she's trying to get it off the ground or whatever. Oh, shut so up. Then she's like, hey, there's a bunch of um, there's a bunch of uh, I'm like, oh, I'm at a Molly, but I have Coke in the bathroom. So I'm like, oh, cool. So I start like doing a bunch of lines in her bathroom, doing a bunch of Coke, and she had this tiny dog too. Some old. I'm trying to like not fall on this fucking tiny dog. Of she does. We go back. We start. You know, at this point, I'm like, I literally like us hooking up is like me just like rubbing her stomach with my hand. You know, like yeah. I I can't fucking do shit. You know, so I come back. Um, the next morning I wake up, I grab, I realize like, oh shit, I got more Coke on my place. I forgot about that. So I start doing that at my place the next day. So basically it's like a 24 hour area. And then my heart starts like getting palpitations. I'm like, fuck, is this OD? OD? Fuck. I got to go call the hospital before. So the, I call up the hospital panicking. They said, I'll cover these 911. They send the ERs there. So these EMTs come to my house. They bring me there. Somebody, I know a friend of mine showed up with his wife and uh, then they told me, oh, that wasn't Coke. You just had meth in your system. So I was just blowing lines of meth. I'd never done meth before in this bathroom. Oh, my God. Um, and, uh, yeah, then the next day I drank a couple beers to just kind of, like, reset. And then, yeah, I'd been sober since then. It's been, like, four months. But it was, uh, you know, I really so you had a couple beers there. the next day. November, and then you were December, like, I'm January, done again. Oh, five months it's been. Um, yeah. You just like a couple beers and then you know what? I'm back. Went to meetings, went to meetings every day and really took care of my shit. I got I got a different anxiety medication prescribed. What'd you get? 
I got this thing called gabapentin, which is non-narcotic. Yeah. I'm off that now, too, because it just made me too tired. Yeah. Um, but it was all because of this clonopin. Like, I had no intention to get fucked up. I had no intention to get fucked up, and uh, I did. Uh, because of that benzo so benzos are fucking dangerous kind of nuts that it went you know i kind of went you know zero to 60 on that but i'm glad i'm not dead and it's it's almost weird now because five months from now i thought that i was you know at that point i was really low i was like i don't want to be in fucking comedy this is crazy i feel like that right now uh (laughs) (laughs) five months later it's like i'm with my fucking i'm in an amazing relationship out of nowhere, you know, it's somebody that I, I dated briefly, but now we're, it's a real, you know, it's a real, I'm moving in with her in New York. I got a new job. You're you going know? to New York? Yeah, I'm moving to work on Michelle Wolf's show. Oh. Um, so it's like everything, like I went, like my life is completely different, you know, and it's it's almost like it, it went, it got really good real quick. Um, and I moved back with all my family and friends out there and the New York stand-up scene, which, you know, I of course love. And it's kind of crazy that it's. Uh, I went from that to this in this amount of time. That you know? in five months, it, it just it's just turned around completely. But you had. But the thing that is interesting about a relapse is that you had a love. It was an accident, and you had a love of sobriety. Like you, like I remember one time running into you at the store, and I was like. I was like, uh, or something about we should get a cocktail, and you're like, I don't drink, but you didn't say it in like a, like some people say that to me, and they they apologize for it. Yeah, they're like, oh, I uh, I don't drink, man. Like, but you said it like, oh, I don't drink, and it was very nonchalant. Like Nikki Glaser says it a little bit like that. Yeah, I don't drink anymore, yeah. and you're like, oh, I guess you're happy. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I've I always say if I could stop at ten, I would, you know. But, yeah. Well, your your stories of drinking are always ones where I go, oh, I can see how that would not be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, you you like your drinking stories are like the big blockbuster. Everybody goes home and feels great about it. Yeah. I'm like the sad documentary about Chernobyl. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very different feeling. You know, it's always it's never fun. It's always me eating processed cheese and crying or shitting myself. Or, I think my my you know. lows are. I have them too, mm-hmm. but my lows are a little bit more. Um, like last night, I did a event for Live Nation, and then. Awesome. And they had cocktails, and I got I got a cocktail on stage. Um, I only had to do like I didn't have to do much time. Mm-hmm. I did, but I, well, I take that back. I had, but I, but I was working, so I wasn't drinking. But I had a cocktail, and then someone brought me a cocktail. Yeah. And I had another one, and then we all sat backstage and talked business for like two hours. Didn't drinks. So we're all talking. You know, no one else is drinking. I came home, and this is where if I have a problem, this is where my problem lies, is that I've had two drinks. And part of me says, I should just go to bed. And then I'm like, I'm really fucking hungry. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have a glass of wine. Yeah. And so then I had a glass of wine when I didn't need to have a glass of wine. But it, there was there was no turning that off. I, was, I wasn't like, <coughs> I actually thought about this. And I was like, is this addiction? Because I was like, I want a glass of wine before I go to bed. So I poured a glass of wine, watched Man vs. Food, the n- new one. Yeah. And, and then I felt buzzed. And I was like, all right, I got a buzz. I'm going to bed. I didn't stay out up all night drinking. I didn't smoke weed because I'm trying right. to get my lungs healthy. Had I not had I not been running the marathon on Sunday, I probably would have had a cigar and sat in the backyard and had a drink. Right. But um, that's awesome. But, but like that's where my that's where I say to myself sometimes, 
Like I came home no buzz whatsoever, and I went, but I do kind of want a glass of wine before de- bedtime. And I had one at like 11.30 at night. And so that that is where I compartmentalize, where I go, because I literally thought, this is sounds silly, but I thought, would Bill Burr want another drink, or would he just go to bed? Because I know Bill does not have a drinking problem. Like, yeah. I know he doesn't. And I go, would Bill have a drink? I go, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. Like, how do I find out where that is? But man, when I hear your stories, I go, oh, waking up in the back of a trunk. <laughs> And you're like, you're like, sorry. And they're like, for what? That was, I, I think I heard you tell that at the store. Yeah. Before you told it on. Uh, this is not happening. I think I, not yeah, happening. that was I, was, I was auditioning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And it, you know, like, look, I, you know, I wish that I, I wish that I could do it at times. You know, I always, I'll, I always have a soft spot for being a scumbag, you know? It's, but that's an but. interesting part of you is that I got that. I got that too. I, I've never got a hooker. But I've got that like that deviant part where your brain starts going, oh, we're going. Like for me, the worst I ever got was like in Miami one time. Yeah, I'm fucking wasted, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna go get a sex toy. And I went into some sex toy place, and I was like, because everyone was talking about flashlights at the time, I was like, I'm fucking a flashlight. And so I, I walked in, and I was like, you got a flashlight? And the guy's like, no, but I got fucking a can. And I go, I'll take it. Fucking a can. Yeah, it was a it was a can <laughs> of Sapporo with. <laughs> With when I get it home, it's lips. It's not even a vagina. It's two, and it looks like dude's lips. Like, oh, dude, don't do it. <laughs> don't, yeah. do, don't, don't do it, man. Come on, please. <laughs> so I fucked the shit out of that all weekend. But that's my. I, it sounded I, like the worst game of Pac Man I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did you start doing stand up in New York? I did. Yeah, I started. Uh, I guess September. I'll be. I guess I've been eleven and a half years or something like wow. that. How old are you? 33, 34 in May. God, you're young as shit. Everyone's so fucking young these days. How old are you? 45. You're great, man. Yeah, I know. I'm 45, but you know, I think I noticed that like people's careers seemed in this business, the way it's shifted, yeah. seemed to take off at 37. If you've been oh, doing yeah. it 15 years, roughly, if you can stick around till 37, that's when you get a real opportunity. And for me, you know, and I'm, I think I'm, I'm in a different side of the business. I'm definitely in a different side of the business than you are in that I would host reality shows. Yeah. Or like not reality shows, but I did reality shows. I did hosted reality. I'd host shows. And for me, I thought my takeoff was Travel Channel. I got that at 37. And, uh, and I wonder sometimes had I not done that where I'd be. Like had I not done that, what, I, what would have happened to me? Like you ever, I think about sliding doors all the time. Like. Had I not done this, where would I be? Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think you, that, that was probably true in like the 70s, 80s, or 90s. But, it's, you know, we live in a, in a time now where not one thing makes you. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's just like probably you would have been in a similar situation, but you would have a couple different type of credits. You know, like if we want to get mega stars, the past, like there's been Kevin Hart, Amy Schumer, See, Kevin, is that it? So I mean, like Kevin and Amy are probably the biggest. Melissa McCarthy, maybe, but she's on more of the acting side. I of think it. when you say comics, Kevin yeah. and Amy are the two biggest ones. But but Amy, I mean, I'm not. I don't mean yeah, yeah. to talk negative because I do like Amy. I'm friends with Amy, but I I would not want to be in the spot she's in because she's almost like 
polarized people. Well, now I, she does something, people I, I, I don't people think you her. ever want to get... I think, actually, the level of career that you want to get is to you. Probably. I'm pretty cool. You know what I mean? Where, where it's like, where it's like you're, you have a fucking thing, you have a fan base, but you don't have a target on your back either. Oh. And that that's a pretty good situation. You can really... One, even, like, once you get up to the birthing, you have a little bit more of a target, you know? Yeah. But, like, but like even Bill is probably the highest, or Pat Oswalt. You almost don't want to get to that next level I don't and then know have fucking want- seven blogs written about how you're special as transphobic or, you know, racist or, you know, like... You know, so it's it's kind of like you almost want to live like right underneath the point where you're not pissing everybody off. It is a weird, you know, I, I remember hearing there's a uh, manager named Jason Steinberg. Do you know who he is? Oh, I've heard of that guy. He, I think he kind of did less when I was starting, you know, yeah, he, he used was, to be. A he was really big, active when I started. Dude. And he would say, these guys are so self-defeating. Like he yeah. taught mostly black comics. They're so self-defeating. Mm-hmm. And he'd say like they, 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 they set themselves up and they they fail on purpose he was talking about patrice and uh and like patrice is the one i can example i can use Mm because he's dead but he's like he he defeats himself and i watched patrice do it i watched him do it at a showtime special showtime special everyone's doing 30 minutes it's him gary goleman uh a a bunch of other people i I forget i wish i remember who else was in it uh charlie 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 baracola and patrice did material that was not stuff that was good and it was like i like to put my finger in a bitch's ass and you're like why are you doing this you're so funny this is so below you yeah but i watched him do 30 minutes of just putting a thumb in a girl's ass and then a couple good jokes but for the most part he just i watched him drive it into the ground and i was like what the fuck is wrong with that then i realized yeah it's that i got a really nice living going on I got a nice thing going on. I don't want to get my, I don't want to stick my head out of the weeds too much because then duck hunt happens and they start shooting at you. Yeah. I mean, but then even as I'm saying that, we're talking about that. I'm like, but there is that thing too. It's like, you know, sometimes it's only, you're only going up and down too. So you want to, you wonder like how hard is it to just stay at that same, you know, bear, you know, like, like I'm a known thing without being the thing. That's got to be hard too. And then you watch people, like do you do you do you find it gross when you see people kind of uh, strive to achieve and almost be like work the business and be a marketer and be a a, a yes like a like do you know do you know what I'm talking about like because you you yeah. don't have that vibe you you come off with the same energy as like as like I would say me Big J Ari uh, like all the guys that are great comics love the business love the stage time love entertaining but you're not like uh texting famous people going like uh does it am i making well, sense I, to this question well no i thank you i really appreciate that i think like when i was like you know when i started doing new faces and shit like that and i had a little bit of that in me for sure like i think you know if i want to be brutally honest but I don't know, man. The last like two years, I've really bounced from writing room to writing room, and I've been really happy when I've gotten to do stand up. You know, like so I, 
I, I've I've kind of been the guy, one of one of the guys behind the guy, rather than you know, and I'm doing that with my next job too. I did that with Nikki. I did that with Jermaine. I'm doing that this where it's like I'm one of a team of people that are helping, you know, like this amazing talent go. So it's like because of that, you almost naturally kind of get more humility because you're not that guy anymore. But you also are expected to fucking do your job. So it's a little bit of so that that's I think that's helped as far as me being. Uh, people wanting to actually see me and yeah. the amount of people wanting to see me say good, you know, like, so that's been good, but I don't know, man. I also don't, I also get it too. I get it when fucking people have to do all that shit you know, and I, it, I still am bad with it. Like I get it when I go into the green room at the store right. or I'm in the hallway at the store and you watch someone box you out to get to the famous person. Oh really? Oh, it, it bothers me. Cause I'm not that guy. Right, like I would you much, are not that guy. I'd much rather, like, if if say let's say uh, I'm trying to think of someone famous. Let's say say Chris Rock's in the hallway. Yeah, I'm not stopping to try to talk to him. I have no interest in stopping to talk to him or Chappelle. Right, if right. They, if they approach me to talk to me, I'll definitely have a conversation with them. I'm not trying to be a dick, but yeah. I'm not. I have no. Like Tosh was at the store one night and everyone's like trying to jockey up to Tosh and you can see it happen in, in our business and you know the people that do it, you know, like that are like, what's up, Daniel? How you doing, man? I, I, was, I worked with you. And, right, right, right. And then I just, I just got out of the way and I went over and stood in the hallway at the OR, like where in the stairs. Well, I hate, I mean, I've never been a hangout guy, man. Uh, yeah, I've I never, guess. I've never really, you know, like I don't like, I like doing my job and fucking leaving. And also when you're not getting fucked up forget the only time that i would hang out is like if like somebody had come to see me or that maybe there's like some chick who like said you know what i mean yeah. and now that i'm like i've got a gig i'm probably not going to be doing as much stand-up or whatever um and i got a and, and i got a lady it's like this is like when i usually am like what time am i getting on stage yes and when am i leaving and i can i can text a couple of my friends that we can have like a restaurant you know meeting after but but i also know that like a lot of my fucking a lot of my jobs i have gotten because i've stayed around and said hi to people you know yeah. and how did so, you get in how did you get tough. into writing because i think that's the thing that i think I, I definitely there was a period right before i started doing uh right before i started doing television full-time mm -hmm. i got i wrote a packet for David Spade's Showtime show. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I gave it to Hugh Fink, and Hugh Fink. Uh, they got to Hugh Fink, and he said, "This is one of the best packets we have. We've gotten." And my agent said that, and I said, "Well, then why why am I not getting hired?" And he goes, "You're not a writer, writer. Like we have writers. We have clients that are writers that they need this to work. You're not a writer." So like, oh, so they just kind of fucked you. Yeah, and I was like, "Wait, what do you mean I'm not a writer? Like, I wanted to write because I think it's, I think it's one of the coolest ways." And I'm curious to know your take on it, but the coolest way is to expand your sense of humor, to really learn how to write jokes quicker, to become more economical with words. It really is like going to the fucking Colorado Springs and training for a year. Right. Am I right? I mean... Or am I fantasizing you know, no, about No, I mean, it's it's a job, man. I mean, it does, you know, it, it does feel, you know... I miss stand up a lot, but I have, I will get, okay. I will get the month of December that I had. Right. And I kind of had, I, I was going through my own shit with the not doing, not doing as much stand up and like trying to just stick to AA meetings and shit or whatever. But then, then I started doing stand up in LA and then I, 
I uh, and I went to New York and I was like, oh, this is you know incredible doing spots there. Did then the worst weekend of my life at this place called Joker's Live in Washington and Richland horrendous um washington state yeah t- terribly run club terrible audiences i was terrible it was a real trifecta of fucking ruin and then the next day and then the next week i went back to work and work was fine and then i recorded my album at comedy on state in madison oh, and that God. was like amazing comedy on state in madison is incredible so that's stand-up it's like the worst feeling you've ever had and then the best feeling you've ever had and a writing job is like oh i either had a good or a bad day at work and that's kind of what it feels like as far as like creatively i think it does help i do think that like like i'm getting burnt out now like it's hard for me like i'm not like I'm, i start a new job next week i'm not going to do stand-up next week and I'm, I'm moving this week so i had to cancel my shows in la because i'm like getting all my shit together and fucking getting ready for the move and ending one jo- so it's like i don't the problem is is that i don't have as much creative real estate for stand-up as i used to and the last three months i've only done three shows because i record my album like i'm gonna fucking detox um but detox is important. Yeah, it's important, but it that's the only problem for me is that with writing and stand up is that yeah, it, I think when you get done with a writing job, you write great stand up and you can come up with a bunch of stuff. But while you're doing it at the same time, and I've talked to a lot of really good writer stand ups like Joe Mandy about it and people like that, and it's the same thing. It's just your, your head can only you can only like output so much shit. You know, the thing I thought about Joe Mandy, and I don't I don't know yeah. Joe personally but i did i did we we published books under the same oh yeah umbrella and i got his book uh something hipster and yeah. it was really fucking brilliant yeah he's really funny one of the things i thought i think about a guy like joe mandy is i go i bet i wonder what his stand-up would be like if none of his ideas got given to anyone else if he got right. all his ideas, you never know though. Like, because he's think, funny as shit. Yeah, I think but he's a really all good I can see, All I can see is bigger potential because so many people get some of his best ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, he's he's one of the guys who's like, you know, shaping the good place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, everyone's differently. You know, like sometimes you you need a comic where you do, and I think Joe's a great stand-up, but I, you know, like you need a comic who does five things so they can all do well, and then you need people who just, you know. I don't think anybody in there, any logical person can not, can say that the person who has the best career in show business is Dave Chappelle. You know, he yeah. just does stand-ups. He makes $20 million from each fucking special, and he's his own boss all fucking year. I'd be cool. I, I'd be cool with, like, a million dollars for a special. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be man. really cool with that. That's a oh, lot man, of money. Oh, man, I'll take Monique money. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> goddamn, pal, I'll do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you know, fucking like I, I forget it was a fifteen hundred or two grand for that weekend in Washington. It was brutal. So I'll I'll, I'll take whatever. But, yeah, it's it's. I think Chappelle does have. He's just got one focus, and it's just stand up. And I think that, I think that's cool. And I think it, it's what puts him. It's what puts him at the top of the book, in my opinion. Yeah, and he doesn't have writers. That's the other thing. I'm not a big fan of these guys who go out with a team of writers to do stand up, and then you see their material and you're like and and you then you're like oh that was good and then you you were with someone and it's like oh i wrote that and you're like wait what he's like yeah when he takes us on the road we all sit in the back we write his jokes and you're like so it was he he's basically doing karaoke then like his stand-up for me is me <laughs> on a show it's different if you have a group of writers on a show you need that i think but when it comes to stand-up that's my singular vision yeah, I think that I mean, you know, like all of people give me tags and stuff like that. I'll take a tag. I took two tags. I took yeah. one from bar uh from uh 
Mark Norman, the one from uh, oh, Mark's great, yeah. One from uh, Shane Torres for my last special. Oh yeah, Shane's great too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know, man. It, 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 I'm, 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 if if I, I'd say that I wouldn't want that, and then if I had a, if I started in a big fucking movie, and they asked me to do four things, and then Netflix is also giving me like, hey, you have this to do it. two million. I'll be like, well, some writers are getting paid. You know, you have to do it. I guess. You yeah, some writers it. are getting paid. I mean, I have friends of mine too who are writing for bigger people, and you know, another way I look at it too is that I'm giving a fucking comedy writer a job. You know, that would be another. You're giving a comedy writer a job, and and some of these guys who can write great stand up are, are, you know, they go on stage and whatever. People look at their face and they're like, I don't want to see this guy for the next fucking ten minutes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I also it's like everyone's like, I used to be like, yeah, pure stand up, but now I'm like, yeah, we all die with fucking nothing. Do you know what I mean? Who gives a shit? <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't think you should rip anybody off and steal anyone's livelihood. Yeah. You know, that's wrong. But if like, if you're going to pay a guy to write your fucking, you know, act, you know, God bless you, man. You know, it's, I guess, I guess I get, I guess I, I'm probably at the level where I can't afford to hire a group of writers. You're right below. Yeah. And so, and so then when you look at like the, when you look at you the, can hire one guy that will gradually resent you for the next two years. You yeah. can do that. You could do that level. Where you're like, well, he took all my good lines. <laughs> <laughs> you could have like a Seth Rogen Adam Sandler relationship. And so is your chick people. moving to New York with you? She lives there. We're going to do long distance, um, but uh, she's a ca- she's in casting, and uh, you know it was going to be one of those things long distance, and then the Michelle job came up, so it worked out fucking great. You know, um, Michelle's special did really well. Oh my god, it was great. You I didn't know. see it. I didn't. I oh, saw a clip. I saw. It's a clip. like fucking. Early, it's like uh, like n- late nineties Chris Rock as far as just like hit 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 hit. hit. She is. Uh, I I saw one clip first of all, and, I, and this is. I know this doesn't matter. Yeah, she looks beautiful in it. Right. Like, like I like what she wore. That and that does matter. But to say it matters for a guy. Like I'd say to I'd say to a guy, what the fuck? Oh, are you it matters wearing? for a guy too. It matters yeah, and, for everybody. But for when you say it about a woman, sometimes that compartmentalizes it in something else, and that's not what I mean. Yeah. But like she looked great, and you know the problem women have is that at like seven years, if they're any good, they blow up to stars, and they haven't really developed their voice. Yeah, yeah. And she seemed like, from what I've seen on her on Conan, and from what the little bit I saw of her special. It looked uh, it looked like she had grown a great deal. Well, she you don't get in women a lot. She works her. I don't know. I don't know about you do not that, get man. in women. I, we, I don't Ari know. and I were talking about this. And this is why I say that when you're as a woman, if if you're like like well, I'll use Amy as a perfect example. She's a seven year comic. And she becomes the biggest comic in the world, right? No one at seven years knows who the fuck their voice is. I'm, I've been doing it 20 years. I'm still kind of confused, okay? Look at Bill Burr. He didn't really find his voice until like, what, 15 years, 17 years? Like, that's when he... It, it, if you had ever seen Bill But isn't that guy that, comics, too, at it's, seven yeah, it's, years? Oh, yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, no, no, it's no, not no. really a gender no, no. thing. No, no, no. It's, it's gender because of this. And by the way, this is more of a group conversation I've been having. But... As a guy at seven years, as a white guy, you're at seven years. If you're really good, they're like, cool, keep working at it. And then you get to 10 years, and they're like, great, we'll get you on the road. And then maybe at 15 years, they're like, or 12 years, you can do a special. 15 years, your second special. All right, you've been doing it 20 years, you're doing your third special. At 20 years doing your third special, you are dialed into this business. You know what you sound like on stage. You know comedy. Women, if you're, if you're good at seven years, you sometimes leapfrog 
very quickly to like the next level. Like Amy at seven years, 10 years, Eliza was doing it one year, one last comic standing. Okay. It's a perfect example. One year. She's now she's headlining everywhere. She's been doing it one year. That, that doesn't happen with a guy, that, 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 that fan, and then he just disappears. Everyone's like, fuck that guy. But with a woman, there's such a lack of really talented, great, domineering, awesome fucking female stand-ups. Almost as they get older, they disappear. The society stops wanting to hear from them so that they look for this young thing. Well, it's, I mean, I do think that like... Uh, and so what I'm, my point mm-hmm. in saying this is that they aren't allowed a natural maturation the way Bill Burr was allowed a natural maturation or uh, or um, Kevin Hart or Dave Chappelle or they weren't allowed like a like a hey you can also just keep failing hard as fuck in the clubs and really taking chances now you're Amy and you're doing you're the biggest comic in the world but there's exceptions to that too like Tig is one of those people who is like a slow build you're right you're totally person right. and there are exceptions to that. You're right. And there are... And I do think a society in general, which is... This is fucked up, that like, you know, like uh, the society values... Uh, youthful women more than older women and yeah. it's, you know like if if fucking you know look if if society was fair you know Kathleen Madigan would be as big of a deal as like Bill Burr you know what I mean you're that's I agree and, 100% and I think a lot of the times you know there isn't there is I will agree with you on the fact that like there is there is an element that like you know, for whatever reason, people don't want to hear from uh, Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes as much, and that's crazy. It is bizarre. That's that that's they'd very rather, bizarre. That they'd rather take a young version of what that looks or like. Or even like here's a, here's a big example: Jessica fucking Kirsten Dude, in New York. She is a fucking murderer. 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 Should be should be packing arenas, but she is phenomenal. Un- yeah. You can I I had to follow her one night, and I hadn't seen a bunch of her. She can fucking ruin a room. Like oh, I mean, in a good way, like destroy a room. Destroy. And then a room. you get up and you're like, fuck. Like she's she's doing she's working on a couple different levels, you know. But I I, I will you don't say get that a lot almost. Of Every guy who's seven years in, I don't think it's a woman or a guy thing. I think it's if you're seven years in and you get a lot of shit, it's hard. It's hard to follow afterwards. But I think or that, in a year, the same shit. And know? I think my my point in trying to say this very mm-hmm. convoluted, weird hashtag. Uh, I am not supporting Me Too com- comment. <laughs> hashtag Dan St. Germain covering his ass because he's about to go to a... <laughs> no, <laughs> hashtag birds is a feminist or a misogynist. But I feel like as you don't get... A lot of women leapfrog at seven years, and I think anyone at seven years doesn't know their voice entirely. You're still doing. That's why Amy got caught in that shit. Going, they're like, these are her jokes she's telling uh, about racist jokes and this, and she's like, guys, part of her wanted. All of us, I think, wanted to stand up for her and go, guys. She is not Dave Chappelle. She's just Amy Schumer. She's just a regular comic at ten years trying to figure out her voice. And a lot of times in 10 years, you're still doing shit that was working at five years and, right. and you're not, you're not fully developed. You're not a journeyman comic yet. Look, I think people forget like this shit is fucking hard. It's hard as shit. Like I, I, you know, like I, <laughs> like after Madison, <laughs> I scraped together this album, put it together and I'm, I'm really happy with the album and I'm excited when it, for when it comes out. When is it, when does it come it's out? It's coming out in May, um, okay. uh, around May 12th on 800 pound gorilla. It's going to call no real winners here. Um, but you know, like one of those things where then I, you know, I had only gotten up. I got up like probably I've gotten up maybe three times. I've got up like once in once in fucking January after the album, 
But I did the album first week of January. I did nothing in February. And then this month I've done, I've done two, I've done three spots this whole month. So I've done, I've gotten up four times since this album in two months. And I, my new stuff eats fucking dick. I can't even say it right because I haven't been putting the time into getting up all the time, you know, and I've been writing on so many other things and getting my fucking life together. It sucks. I, I called up Sean Donnelly. He's a funny New York comic. Sean Donnelly's absolutely yeah. fucking hilarious. Great, really, really my best friend in comedy. And I was like, this shit's fucking hard. It never ends. You don't have like a like a point where it just flips and you're like, you know, it's not like the Jedi in Star Wars where yeah. you flip and you're like, oh my, no, now I learned the move things with the mind trick. You know, it is a oh. fucking slog that is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, and it's and it, and it never. You're right. It never gets easier. And you and there are times where you're like, I just did my hour, and now I'm gonna have to write a new one. And I'm like, oh fuck. You do it for Netflix or yeah. Showtime? Oh Netflix, sweet man. And, and, and I and it and then there's also this like morning of like. Like, you know, you work so hard, you work so hard with a goal in mind, you yeah. know, like where you're like, I want to do an hour. I want to do it for Netflix. Mm-hmm. I want to, I, w- I want, I want these things. And then you get all those things and then you do that thing. You accomplish the goal you set out. And then all of a sudden you're on the other side of the fence going like, I literally was said today, I want to sail a boat from here to Hawaii. Cause now I'm like, what else is there? Like, I, like, right. I don't know if I want to do another Netflix special. Like, I don't know. Like, you know who's got the coolest career ever is fucking John Ridley. He went from fucking, you know, writing Undercover Brother and being John a late night host the wrist to winning an Oscar for writing Twelve Years a Slave. Wait, who's John Ridley? He's the guy who wrote Twelve Years a Slave and he did that show American Crime. And then before that, he wrote fucking. He was a comic at the fucking comic strip, you know, like and wrote goddamn Undercover Brother. Really? So it's like you get like. He's one of the, you know, I think like a big part of like why we're in this business, you know, I mean, is that we're bored people. We get really bored, you know, and we want to do new shit all the time and change things up. So you want to go to Hawaii makes perfect fucking sense. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I want, like I I want, I I want a challenge. I want to like, I want something tangible. Like, like even that special, it'll come out. And but it's like I don't know if I don't know I feel very empty right now you know like I feel like like and I'm I can't write a new joke I've only written I've only written like two two new jokes and they're just jokes go to go on a trip man Wait, Ari that's one of the great things about Ari is that he just gets off the fucking map right yeah you know he's he he's definitely inspirational I told him he was like well maybe we'll just ride motorcycles from the top of Vietnam down to the bottom maybe we'll uh, what do, where do you want to let's uh, climb uh, let's climb Mount Kilimanjaro let's uh, and then you're like and then but I'm also a parent and I right. I, gotta, I have that you're like how about I just uh, go to Van Nuys but like I hike you that's know, why like, I'm doing the marathon on Sunday <laughs> so I'm looking for something tangible to challenge myself with that's just me where you're like can I train can I do a marathon without training for it like we'll see isn't the challenge with the kids though? I mean, that's got to be a lot of work. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're kids. I mean, if we're gonna talk honestly, I think I really fucked up as a parent. Really? Yeah. Like, and I know that I'm being hard on myself. There are a lot of people that are listening that are like, no, 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 no. Everyone has jobs, like, right? So, but I feel like I was gone so much, working on the road, doing travel channel working paying and how for old are they now your kids 11 and 13 they're, and, so they're and, in it the, oh and they're and they're 
I can feel them leaving the nest. Like I can feel them stretching their wings. Are they starting? Are they starting to do that thing of like, oh shit, dad's not perfect. Oh, they've done that a long time ago. <laughs> they they don't they haven't called Dad's me dad cool, in dude. like seven years. They call you bird. I guarantee you, if my daughter comes in right now, which she just got back from a camping trip, she would call me. Uh, they call me Bertangs, Bertangulus boy, Booby. <laughs> they call me uh, Bruh. They stopped calling me dad a long time ago. <laughs> but like, but like, perfect example. I did this last hour, and I go, I wrote, I talked about my kids. So now I look at them, and I go, none of this is material. I need to find a new thing. I got to find a. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to write just joke jokes. I want to write something bigger than that. I want to write. Well, your kids turning like going into high school is a whole different fucking thing than <sighs> you know. We just dropped. Especially you have a daughter. Like all, there's all that fucking shit with that. You know? We just dropped thirty two grand to get their teeth right. Oh my god, dude, teeth are fucking expensive. And my kids have really, really like next level bad teeth. Like neck, I have bad teeth. Next, you look like you got like jungle teeth, like teeth that could bite yeah. through wood. <laughs> like I got, I got stuck with uh, settlers' teeth. Settlers' teeth. Like I, I was like, oh, can you bite that wood for me and then hand it to me? <laughs> Thank you, Savage. Teeth. <laughs> what is a imper- imperial? I got Robin Crusoe teeth. <laughs> do you do you travel at all? Uh, I was. I mean, not as much lately, you know, because I've been. Um Went to Ojai a couple weekends ago. Did you really? Yeah, it was really fun. But is it, it's not burned to the ground. No, Ojai is okay. Everything around Ojai is kind of fucked right now. Really? Did you go with your chick? Well, well, my that's a real chick trip. Yeah. Ojai. Did Ojai is in a bunch of bros. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we bought some. Cri- it was one of the. Well, this is what I love about my chick is she's like. Uh, we went to one of those like you know like rustic vans and and you know she's a Long Island girl you know and like. Uh, are you Long Island? No, no, I'm New York, but my best friend's from Long Island. My chick is from Long Island, so I have like I, I'm close to Long Island people. But I went into like this like little trailer thing where all the fucking where we where they were selling all the shit, and it was like, you know, it was uh, what's what's the goddamn stone? That's the tur- it was like turquoise jewelry everywhere, and you know it said like eighty dollars for one. And I'm like, baby, I'm gonna borrow. And she goes, oh, she goes, it's fucking bullshit. It's twenty five dollars on Etsy. Like she does like the real girly <laughs> thing, and then all of a sudden becomes fucking Dennis Farina out of yeah. nowhere. Um, so. Like, oh, that's great! Yeah, so like, I, luckily I didn't have to fucking go out of, you know, lose my mortgage because of buying that. But yeah, that whole place is just the, all of Ojai is like couples traps. Like, oh, you're here with your chick? Yeah, you're gonna pay. Uh, here's twenty five dollars for a hand towel. You know, it's stuff that like they know they can get away with because everybody's like kind of breezily walking through stuff, and yeah. it's a bunch of traps, man. It's like it's like the strip clubs for uh, but for relationships. You know, yeah, it's it's uh it's Vegas for couples. Yeah, like it's. Do you ever do you have any hobbies? I'm a huge. Well, I, I, my other my podcast is a pro wrestling podcast. So like You're every into other pro comic, wrestling, yeah, every other comic is. How did pro wrestling? Into it. So what? Because because my age, mm-hmm. pro wrestling missed us. Yeah, like, I, we were into pro wrestling as kids, and then we grew out of it, or something happened People, to it. Yeah, with comics, male comics in their early thirties, mid thirties are obsessed with it. Dude, everyone I know is obsessed with it. Yeah, Ron Funches. Yeah, Sam Roberts. Yeah, I mean people. Like, but why is it that like us forty year olds 
We were all into it. it we were there for the because it was really car. I mean, look, wrestling's always fucking cartoony, but like you know, you guys were there with Hogan and all that. Andre shit. the Giant, Andre the Rowdy Giant. Roddy That's Piper, you were like around Cindy Lauper. How old were you then? Like probably around like ten to thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit was pretty goofy for a while. So once you hit like fourteen or fifteen, you're like, oh no, I want like chicks and like rock and roll. Like for us, like a lot of our masculinity. Probably for some negative reasons as well. Like, like WWE peaked like, like right when we were getting into tits and shit like that, and boobs and beer and like that's when they had Stone Cold Steve Austin and Sable, and they were like kind of like really feeding for what you know probably like Poison or Pantera was feeding into yeah. the generation before that. So I think that they were able to catch stuff, and then as a comic, the lifestyle is just incredibly similar. So I, I think that that's, but yeah, I got, I, I, last year I was like really into meditation. Like I went on a silent retreat. I did all that. I haven't been into it way, way. I used to, I used to be really into politics. I really could give a shit now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, it's one of those things where I just work so fucking much that like I haven't, you know, I'll play video games from time to time. I'll go to the gym and shit. Um, I took like jujitsu for like a little bit. I'll start stuff and I'll get into it and I'll be like, oh, I like UFC. I'll get into that. And then I'll just stop. Or like, you know, I have so many books that I've just started yeah. and then I'll, I'll just like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I've, I, you know, even this year I've only started to and then kind of like been so busy with work. I've kind of. You know, and I don't you know. Go, I'll go to a couple of museums, but truth is, I work really hard and I get really tired. So a lot of the times, it's like fucking movies or TV. You know, like it's a lot of like just sit there, listen to podcast type of shit. Yeah, I feel like I talked to my. Th- are you in therapy? Yeah, yeah. I was on. Two, I was two therapists. The reason that I got out for that relapse was because I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, and I okay, didn't know. Let's talk about. This. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, really? I got it. Yeah, I've got it, but it's it manifests itself. It shows up in times of stress. Like it doesn't. It's not there all the time. It's always underlying, but um, in times of stress, it really starts peaking. Yeah. So like, so like, uh, like getting ready for the special, I had to be very cognizant. Like, normally, what I do is I change everything about my lifestyle a month out. I stop drinking. I stop. Uh, I I. And I start obsessing about the set. Mm-hmm. It's not the healthiest thing because it's it's no longer what what I found is that in my specials sometimes that's a different person performing mm-hmm. than who everyone's seen for the entire year. Yeah. So because now it's someone who hasn't had a drink in a month and uh, and is uh, is. His my beard is manicured really crazy because I can't stop manicuring my beard. My hair is really tight because I can't stop. Like it's almost like, uh, I remember my buddy Cowhead saw my first special and he goes, "I go, what did you think?" He was like, "It was okay." By the way, this is a friend, and you expect he'd just be like, "It was great." He was like, "It was okay." I go, "Really?" He goes, "Well, it wasn't you." I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah." It was like none of the freedom of the fun of you on stage was on that special. I was like, "Oh." So for the next special, I was like, all right, I want to make sure that who I am comes out. But still, I did a lot of my OCD stuff leading up. Yeah. Where, where I'm in my head so much, it really is making me unhappy. And then when I got done that special, I had a hard time celebrating because I was like, it was a good special. It was a great special. It did very well for me. But at the, at the time, I was like, I was like, I didn't really enjoy it. Like, I didn't have yeah. fun. 
Like I, I didn't enjoy the process. I didn't enjoy leading up to it. It was really a burden for me. And so now that it's done, I'm just thankful it's done. So leading up to this special, I went, this is the first time I get to pick everything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure I enjoy it. So I said, for one, I'm going to allow myself to drink that month leading up. I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I, and I think also one of the big things that helped was we did that sober October yeah. month and it really helped me compartmentalize uh, being able to be sober and go to sleep sober, especially right. on the road, which really helps. So I, and I incorporated that in my life. I was skiing every weekend, so I wasn't drinking the night before I was skiing. I wasn't drinking the night after I was skiing. So there's two days where I'm not drinking on the road because I'm so tired. And so I, I said, I'm going to go in. I'm not going to let obsessive compulsiveness overrun me on this special. And I didn't. And it was the best experience I've ever had. And like little things, like for me, I spit. Uh, on the street and if it lands on a crack that means it's good luck yeah and so but what happens in the previous two specials is i can't walk on cracked streets because i will be thinking about and then all of a sudden i'm not like i'm walking like a crazy person down the center of the fucking street so that i don't see any cracks so like but yeah i tried my best to manage it how is it coming out in you well, I was diagnosed with, and this is why I got the clonopin with persecutorial obsessive compulsive disorder. So I would, just to give you an idea, and I'll give you like an example, like, um, in when I was in college, me and my friend got really drunk once, and we like, uh, you know, like I think we like threw, uh, like we 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 like threw a. Um, it was like a abandoned house. We threw something through. We threw something in the middle of the street, like this this door and shit like that. It was a back street or whatever that just drunkenly just threw it on there. And then like ten years later, I'm like, what if they killed somebody on the road? And then I will then go through Indiana crime reports for two hours trying to see on that date at that time whether something could have happened Uh, that'll be what it would be okay so it'll be like stuff like that it'll be like well what was or let me think about something that happened when i was fucking seven for the next three hours and then Uh, so but now i've written exercise that i do i went to a special obsessive can you tell me what it is well what you do is you like you do with the trigger and then after the trigger, you're saying, okay, what's the worst case scenario that would happen, right? And then, um, you know, like, uh, and then after that, okay, what is what, what emotions bring up? Fear, anxiety, anger, whatever it is. And then the fourth quadrant is, you know, alternative thought. I have, obs- first thought, I have obsessive compulsive disorder, well-researched and meticulously uh, uh, researched disorder uh, that makes the situation keep repeating itself. That's the first thing you say. And then you try to, what if something, do- what if it's a good thing? And then because of that you temper it and sometimes you like look at like well what's the percentage that this bad thing is true versus the percentage that this good thing is true yeah so god that can see i've got that a little bit i have some things in my in my in my closet of when i was partying yeah and nights got crazy right and you go and then you like and things that my friends and by the way nothing happened with that door thing it was like a back road like in yeah. the middle of nowhere like no one could have drove into it it was totally yeah you know, i shouldn't have fucking done it because i was drunk and just throwing shit around there's a reason i you know i've been to rehab twice because of it so i didn't give a shit about anyone but myself but in that situation nothing happened yeah you know yeah i have it my friends don't think about it twice and then they and then and then i'll have one friend that go that knows that i still think about stuff and he'll go hey you ever think about uh the thing and then you'll go, yeah, why? And I'll be like, I just, I just know you do. And you're like, oh my god, like fucking, I. But my brain, my brain gets, 
bad like that. Wait, what? What do they? What do they? Do they do any research on you when you go to rehab? No, like, I mean not research, but like, uh, do they like do any therapy stuff where they? Yeah, try to yeah. Get to I the mean, base I've done. Stuff? You know, I have ta- I have talk therapy. I got a new talk therapist, and then what I was describing there was more of like a cognitive therapy, and then I've also done brain spotting. What's that? I've done. It's a, it's kind of like you like focus on different points in a room and then come back. Oh, it's it should really be for like like they do with a lot of people with PTSD and shit like that. Okay, I got so, that. I keep going. Yeah, okay, yeah. Wait, so, so maybe you should try it out. So what's brain? Okay, try try to explain brain spotting to me. Well, the way that I was doing it, and I'm sure somebody on your podcast is going to tell me I'm doing this wrong because I only did it like a couple times, but it would be like, you know, you kind of like, you focus on something that you did, um, you know, like focus on something that's bothering you or something, and then you think about it and, and you keep thinking about it. It's almost like exposure therapy. And then you'll then like for relief, you'll look at another point in the room and then you'll look back to that point. And like like moving your eyes back and forth, you actually are kind of like applying some sort of relief to the trauma that happened. So it's a lot of it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's worth it if if you got the cash to spend. But I don't know. I mine mine was all through. Uh, I, I I talked about this before, but I was in I was backstage in Indiana, I think Indi- Indianapolis, and this guy was talking about doing a documentary on PTSD, and I had always been told by my therapist and by my wife and by other people that I had had experienced PTSD from all the dangerous shit I did on travel channel, like jumping off buildings, jumping off stadiums, skydiving, uh, swimming with sharks, scuba diving yeah. at 90 feet, like all the things that what was the scariest one of those, by the way. Um, you know, so I, I fell off a waterfall. That was probably, that's when I've, I, that's the most intense. That's the most intense intensity because i fell like 15 feet and i landed on my back but i could have very easily landed on my head or landed on my neck or landed how painful was it oh i i I was 210 feet in the bottom of a ravine i was i was rappelling and then i flipped upside down in a waterfall and i was drowning and so i couldn't flip myself back up because the water's going and rushing jesus and so I, I don't know what happened, but I let go of the rope and I just zoom and I hit the ground. I hit my back. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move my legs. I could move my legs. I, I got feeling in my legs. But if, if I lifted like this, the pain shot up my back and I was like, okay, I probably broke my spine. I may, I, I definitely ruptured into an internal organ. Right. And so what was the worst is they could have happened. They couldn't get rescue gears to get me out of there because we're in a cavern. So right. I had to crawl. I had to crawl myself out of a cavern, 210 feet up to the oh trail. Oh my god! And by the way, the whole time I'm thinking I'm dying. I'm I'm dying. I'm, these are precious minutes. These are the minutes. And and I had heard a long time ago. I heard the story of this guy in South Africa who was black in a car with two black two white yeah. guys, and they got in an accident. And the ambulance could take the two white guys, but they couldn't put the black guy in the ambulance. And he had to crawl himself to the closest village. And by the time they got him to the hospital, he was paralyzed. And so had they rescued him, he would have been fine. But by the time he got there, he was paralyzed. Ugh. And so all I could think was, I'm going to be paralyzed. I'm going to die. And then, and then, so then when I got done with that, and, and that's when panic got really bad for that's me. That's terrifying. Because I was, the next day, I went to my hotel room. I got in bed and I, I couldn't get out of bed. And I was in a hotel room and no one could get in my room. And I'm laying in bed and I have to go to the bathroom. So I'm laying in bed and I'm and I can't move and I've got to pee 
And I'm like, I'm peeing in this bed. And I just peed in the bed. And I laid my pee. And I was crying. And no one's, everyone's just waiting for me to show up for call time. And I'm fucking, I can't move. I'm stuck in a bed. Jesus and I was fucking Christ. freaking out. And then someone knocked on my door. And I'm like, I can't, I can't move. I can't move. I'm like yell, yelling. So they come. They, it, this is, by the way, this is over an hour. Cause like, you know, they go to the front desk. They tell them they need to get into my room that I'm in there that I, that I can't. And they don't know why I'm not coming out. They open the door. And by this, I'm a fucking mess. I'm just like, I'm like, I need help getting out of bed. I've gone to the bathroom in the bed. I need to get the fuck out of here. And so then, then that, that my buddy Paul was like, this episode's over. We're not going to try to continue this. Let's get you home. And, uh, and so and then a couple things happened after that, and my wife was like, I think you're done. I think you're fucked up. I think something's going on with you. And so, and that's when I realized, and then I'm talking in Indianapolis to this guy, and we were talking about, he was talking about war, about the, and I, I said something about, like, the, you know, when you go off to war and you come back, it's such a release, he was saying. Like, it's such a, like, you go off and you drive and you don't blow up, and then you come home and you're like, and I had a lot of that from like skydiving or jumping off stadiums and or or scuba diving. Like my first open water dive was at like ninety feet, which you just don't do. But it's production. They're like they're like, yo, we gotta go, we gotta go now. I know there's a thunderstorm coming in. I know we're in a steel boat. I know the waves are high as shit, but we gotta go right now. There's no fun. I was talking to my director for my special, Todd Bierman, and he was saying, oh, when you go to dot dot dot, you gotta go scuba diving. And I go, I hate scuba diving. And he goes, what? I go, I fucking hate it. I go, it's always such a panicky experience. And he goes, what are you talking about? I was like, well, and I explained my scuba dive experiences. One time, it's in 10-foot seas off the coast of Japan to go see a whale shark at fucking 60 feet. And we sat there for an hour at 60 feet so we could get all the shots. And then other times in Fiji where it's fucking rough season, I fuck up and I go down to 90 feet where I shouldn't go to 90 feet. Screw up the dive for everyone. We all run out of oxygen. Like, all my dives have been fucking panicked. Traumatic. Plus, there's like sharks everywhere. Yeah, and he goes, he goes, you need to you need to go scuba diving how you want to go. Yeah. Like you need to plan a trip and you should do what you want to do. Yeah, go 15 feet down. Yeah, that's what I go. They do that and he goes, yeah, that's what everyone does. They plan the trip they want to do. Yeah. And so, and so. It's also like nobody needs to know you're a badass anymore. Just have fun. Dude, I just want to be, I want to be <laughs> like, I want to have a good time. And so, and so the PTSD thing, I was talking to the guy and he was like, yeah, man, the showers in the morning were really rough. And I, and I, Immediately I chimed in because I knew this feeling. I go, oh, I would sit in the shower and I'd say, why am I cleaning this body? It's just going to be dead later. And he'd go, he went, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh yeah, I would get up in the mornings, uh, jumping off uh, a 580 foot jump. I think I don't. I think it's 585 Jeez. in uh, in New Zealand. I got up in the morning. I got in the shower and I said, why am I cleaning this body? It's just going to be dead in five hours. And I just started crying and I was like sitting in the fucking fetal position in the shower just going, how come I'm out of control of my life? How come I have no control over anything? I want control. I want to be able to pick what I want to do and I don't want to do this. I want to do stuff I want to do. Like, and, and it just, oh, it was like I got bit by a bat in Costa Rica oh and, God. and I, and I, I just wanted to be safe, but we're in production and they don't have time to take me to a hospital and they, and hospitals are like, it's going to be like a two hour drive through the jungle to get to a hospital. And then, and then I, and then I don't get rabies shots. How bad shots. is a pain bat bite? Here's the problem. If you don't get rabies shots within two days of the bat bite, then you're uncurable and rabies 
has a hundred percent kill rate. Like if you so get did you rabies, have rabies, if you get rabies, you die. Did you have rabies? I don't think so. <laughs> like usually, you'll find out within a year. So that PTSD stuff, dude. I'm you're right up my alley with that. Like yeah. I like, and so well, I don't know. I how, mean, I, I don't have as much PTSD, but I, I will say that brain spotting would be kind of a cool thing for you to do. I think. How did you? They get, do it with a lot of veterans and shit. How did you get into this self discovery stuff? I mean, I think if you get low enough, you got to like either kind of give up or, you know, strive for more. I mean, you know, I did T I've done TM. I did two silent retreats. It's just, I got a lot going up on here as far as, you know, it doesn't stop. It's, it's just constant. Does part of you, does part of you feel like you got to keep that going to keep being a good comic or a good writer? No, I don't think so. Cause I think a lot of that stuff distracts me from getting really good at it. You know, I, 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 uh. I think I'm so hard, you know, fucking, I, I do not think that spending two hours thinking about whether or not what you just said to your Uber driver is weird makes you a better comic. You know, I would say a hundred percent. It doesn't, um, what, you know, like the bigger stuff, like not contemplating death and strut pain. No, that stuff helps you as a comic, but the little shit like that, yeah. I don't think it does really. I think maybe a couple one ones of those does, but not like. Every single one. It really doesn't help. I mean, at least that's what I think. Did you ever talk with Nikki Glazer about this stuff? Yeah, I mean, we well, we had a podcast too for Not Safe. I co-hosted that. I remember. That, I, and I, I watched would, some of that. Yeah, we would we would talk about some of that shit. But yeah, I mean, me and me and Nikki are, are, are very similar in some ways. So we we would talk about a lot of that kind of. She's shit. pretty open about shit. Yeah, and I think I think I think she's always been that way. I've always had a weird thing with like I worked with her on the road once. I have a weird thing. I just talked about this in yeah. my meeting about working with women is that uh, I'm so, I am so want them to feel safe that sometimes I come off maybe as standoffish or, oh, that makes, or, over, yeah. or overly yeah. like uh, overly fatherly. I don't know. Like I just go, I want you, I don't want you to have to like with Nikki. I don't, I was on the road with her. I don't think I really spoke to her much. I think we went out to lunch one day. I really upset her. Cause this is when <laughs> you have one shot. <laughs> oh, I really upset her. There's a there was an app called Photo Booth yeah. or Fat Booth, yeah. where you took a picture and it made the person fat. Yeah, yeah. And I fat boothed her face and then yeah, posted it online. Like that. And she was like, she got really upset and she goes, "You got to take that down immediately." Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think you like that. And I was like, "Really?" And she goes, "That's what I feel like I look like every day." And I went in my head, I'm like, "You're, you're beautiful. Like, why right. would you ever think that?" But you know. And then I videotaped her running on the treadmill and she didn't like, she was like, why would you do that? But in my head, I would do it to a comic. I do it to a guy. Like I'd never think like, I never think twice to do anything to you. If we were on the road, oh, to make it feel safer, it's like, yeah, I was in her shower. I was, I was like, in her shower. Taking her, taking I roofied her, her one night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this was when she drank too. So, but like, even like I did something shitty to Nikki the other day and I don't know why I've done so many shitty things to Nikki, but like I did something shitty to her the other day. And I texted her the next morning. I woke up. This is where you talk about getting in your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hey, I don't know if what I did was bad or good, but I do feel shitty about it. You just slapped her in the face. No. <laughs> there's. I'll tell the story because I think it's... At, what, time, what time do you need to be Oh, no, here? no. I was just I was just checking. Oh. Don't worry about it. I'm, um, so, I'm sorry. That was rude. No, no. She... This is one of my favorite Nikki Glazer stories. And I. what's shitty about it is I told it... I told it about her before I brought her on stage and at the OR. And that room is so fucked sometimes right. that anyone, any spot. You're like you know, Nikki's bully. 
but I'm not a bully about because <laughs> no, no, I really no. love her. Yeah, yeah. But like, but I do. I would do this to any dude, right? But you forget that, like, yeah, there are different rules for men and women. Like, you just like if I tell you, if I tell a story about you uh, going down on a chick before you, I take bring you up on stage. You're like, yeah, whatever. I don't give a yeah, fuck. Yeah. The room sees me as a man. But if you do that about a woman, then everyone's like, oh, so that's how she... And I'm like, oh, I just right. dictated what you have to talk about for the next 15 minutes. Right, right, right. And the story I told, which I will tell because it is great, and I love Nikki, and I've told this story to her. She doesn't totally remember it this way, uh, but I ran into... going to get me in trouble, bro. No, okay, no. Okay. Fucking get me in trouble. <laughs> Look, Michelle Wolf and Nikki, if you want to come after me, come after me. <laughs> Dan is a great guy. He's been not doing nothing but defending you guys. And I love you guys. I'm not fucking shitting on you guys. I think Michelle's super talented, that, I think Nikki's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The, the house is literally on fire right now. <laughs> um, we were... <coughs> we were... Everyone, I'm going to make sure the audio stops so that you can isolate this and post it because this is my favorite Nikki Glazer story. Okay. We're in... I just ran into the DJ this happened with in Philadelphia. His name's Sludge. Brian, Brian Hadid, I think is his last name. And he was there. He remembered the story identical as I remembered it. So I am not making this up. This is a true story. We're in Richmond. Nikki's featuring for me. It's one of the two times I think I ever worked with her. Richmond and uh, in Orlando. And maybe a couple times. I don't know. Two of the greatest cities in America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we go in and do radio. This is right around when MySpace or, was big or Facebook had just come out or whatever. And we're talking about that. It was back when you'd plug your MySpace handle yeah. to hope you get followers. So... The, the topic is the quickest you've ever had sex with a person. Yeah. And so me, me and Sludge don't have anything good. We're both fucking dorks. And, but people are chiming in online and we're reading the MySpace comments because we're trying to get followers. So I'm saying it's MySpace. I don't remember what it was exactly. So Nikki goes, Nikki's my feature yeah. and she's coming in to watch radio to like get a yeah, feel yeah. on radio. She goes, actually, I have a story. And we're like, oh, guys, hold on a second. Nikki Glazer is here. She's working with Bert this weekend. And she's got a story. And she goes, okay. Um, so I was at a bar. And, I, and I'm, I, met, I'm, I met this guy. He was at the bar. He didn't... I, he reminded me of like my best friend's little brother, who I always kind of had a crush on. But like not like yeah, a crush. Yeah. But I just had an affinity for the guy. And But this guy was like a grown... He was my age. And he reminded me of something about him. So anyway... I went to the bathroom with him, and I gave him a blowjob. And they're like, whoa, 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 Hang on. And they dump out. And they're like, you cannot say that on air. And she's like, you can't? And he's like, no. She's like, how would you say that? And he's like, well, I don't know, but you cannot say that on air. Now, online is blowing the fuck up, right? It is blowing up. It is, everyone's like, what did you do? What did you do? Because we had to dump out of it. And everyone's, and now we're all getting follows on MySpace. We're like, oh, hold on, hold on one second. Follow us on MySpace. We're going to tell you. We're going to tell you. We're like teasing it. And Nikki goes, I can actually tell that story radio friendly. And we're like, really? And she goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, all right, all right. So Nikki, go ahead and tell your story. She goes, so. I was at a bar and I met this guy and something about him reminded me of my best friend's little brother who I didn't, I didn't have a crush on, but I really love that kid. And he was, you know, but this guy's my age and, but there is something about him that reminds me of him. So I went to the bathroom with him 
and I sucked his dick. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, you can't say that. You can't yeah, say that. She she's goes, so fucking she's funny. She's like, but yeah, you guys are calling each other dicks the whole time. Like, you can say he's a dick. You can't say I sucked his dick. It was That's so hilarious. funny. But That's the shitty funny. thing she, I did. Nikki's one of the best fucking joke writers, man. She's, she's so just, I think she's fucking yeah, yeah. hilarious. She's great. But the shitty thing I did that I woke up the next day is I brought her up on stage telling that story right. at the OR, which she, I don't think she had read your story to her. It didn't bother her. Yeah. But I, I was like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I should just do, like, if I didn't know her, I'd just go, ladies and gentlemen, Nikki Glazer. I should have just done that. Yeah, but, you know, like, for me, that's a story about, you know, like a funny comic fucking with radio. Yeah. Like, like lame radio dudes. It's not like a story. It's not yeah. even, a, it's not really a sex story. It's not a sex story, but then as but a I get woman, it. I think yeah. it's nice that you reached out. The next morning too. I woke up and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if it isn't fucked up or it is fucked up, but I do, lo I do love Nikki and I don't want her to think yeah. that I disrespected her or, or was like, like I just, and so, and, no, or I, I, I what, what I think bothered me was that she then told sex jokes the whole rest of her set and i oh, thought like you set and i that thought up. i thought yeah well what if she did want to talk about something that had nothing to do with sex i don't know like sometimes you got to realize too it's like i have this thing too like we're not that powerful you know if anything it was like if anything happens mostly nobody hates you or loves you mostly yeah. either people like you or get oh that was annoying you know that's that's the extent of most interactions yeah. you know i i really only <laughs> hated one or two people in the past five years or like think that they're de I deeply dislike a cup like a handful of people I don't know? have hate for anybody yeah I don't have it like I, I was someone talked to me about this guy that he was gonna have on his show that we had beef with and he was like I can, I can not do it if you want and I was like no 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 I don't care at all that guy should definitely like I, why would you don't yeah. I, yeah I'll always be your friend even if you even if you guys shit on me for an hour that's totally fine like I don't none of that bothers me but I think that's also getting older, and I think getting more confident. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever really hated anybody. I had beef with Paul F. Tompkins, like pretty. Oh, you guys did? Yeah, real pretty. Uh, and and my and then what was when worse? Was this this is a long time ago. Are you guys cool now or now? Yeah, I'll I'll tell you the short version. It was a misunderstanding, I think, mostly. And uh, it was it happened probably 13, 11 years ago. And um, I had gone on a podcast and I had talked about it. And then he had heard it. And then he had talked about it. And then and and I didn't have a well, dog. You just like you're talking about you don't like his act or some shit? No, no, no. I, I had uh, he had been promised an evening at the improv with that he could book. And it was his show. And the improv put me on the show. Yeah. Uh, to for whatever reason, they thought they needed me on the show. His understanding was his night to book, which I can understand his frustration when he gets a guy that is not brand his brand or you know, right? Like right. I'm more of like a bro. And I, I, my, I was drunk. He was drunk. Our interpretations of that night and the next night are different. But what had happened was, is I wasn't backing down from mine, and he wasn't backing down from his. You, yeah, he thought you were superstarring him. You thought that he wasn't whelping you and being too cool for school. Yeah, well, whatever yeah. it was. And yeah. so, and so, anyway, both of us. I mean, I, I, I don't know his extent, but I would talk very openly about yeah. not liking him, and talk very openly about my side of the story, and uh, and and it got to the point where it was like. We had a run-in one time on doing Ari's podcast, and he was walking down Sunset, and I thought we'd squash the beef. He thought I was coming to, 
you know attack him attack him on on a podcast and so he blew me off on the podcast and then it got even worse like people started really reading into it and it got got to the point where like i was like whatever i don't give a fuck and then when you start making money and you start really selling tickets you're like oh i really like he can't help me like there's there's nothing he can do to help my career like i'll never work with him so i really don't give a fuck yeah and then he and so i was like i don't really don't care and then he very uh very sweetly and and very grown-uply those aren't the right words but reached out to me and said hey man i just want to tell you my side of the story i don't care that we're able will ever be friends and i don't care that you like me and i don't care but i do think that your interpretation of it is wrong and i and i'd like to hear your side of it as well but I don't want to have beef with you that I don't dislike you and I don't, right. and I hope you don't dislike me. I just would like to get past this and sincerely oh, get to a place where we can bury the hatchet. I got the email and I was so caught off guard. I was in uh, I was in a Chili's in uh, the in the Chicago mall at Schaumburg, and I read it, and I was like, "Fuck!" I sent it to my wife to be like, "Am I reading this right?" She's like, "Yeah." So I read his side. I I wrote my side, and he was like, and I was like, "I'm I'm cool." He was like, I'm cool too. And we both kind of squashed it. And we're That's like, great. I hope I see you around and I'll say hi or whatever. And, and it felt really fucking good. That's great, I would have never done it, but he did it. He's more, I think he also quit drinking so that he's also like, look, man, I don't, I don't have a, like me. I can just drink it away and then be like, fuck everyone. I'm right. Yeah. Keeping his side of the street queen and shit like that. Yeah. But he was, it was very cool. Did you ever, you ever gotten a beef with a comic? <sighs> um... I'm sure there's people, you know, it's not in the forefront of my mind. I'm sure there's people I don't like, and there's, I'm sure there's there's people, you know, like, and it's not just comics, you know, you work with people in, in some settings, and you're like, oh, this guy kind of rubs me the wrong way, or I think this person Do you get is. that in a writer's room a lot? Sure, I mean, it's kind of like comedy, but it's... I, I think like uh, I actually think like sometimes in a writer's room it can get worse you know like really well because I will not go into details and any of this stuff but it's like but like you know and I've written for a lot of shows so nobody can do this math here but like like imagine having to like see like with with stand up you have the luxury of being like fuck this guy fuck this guy we can go on different paths maybe we'll be on the same lineup but we won't see each other if you don't like somebody in a room or at your job where it's a nine to five you have to literally stay with that person all fucking day you know yeah so you have to you almost have this boiling simmering ugh, you know so that that can be tough i think that those those kind of that kind of shit is like you know because it's almost like back in the you know like you know years ago it was kind of cool to have stand-up beefs in some ways like yeah. fuck this guy no fuck this guy when you're working on a team together you know and you don't like somebody it's like being in a bad marriage or something it's just a little it's just you know it can it can be fucking really uncomfortable so i try not to i try to get along with everybody that i work with um because of that but sure i've had people that i'm like that you know you know somebody said this to you know like uh, i was talking about you know stressing out of the business a good, a good buddy of mine is a real a brilliant writer frank sebastiano wrote dirty work and he wrote beer league you wrote all norm stuff on yeah, snl I know yeah, yeah you know frank yeah of course so we were like uh and i was like uh I, you know and i, I felt like I, w I was nervous about my career and he's like uh 
I was like, hey, is there any, is there any like fix for any of this, you know? And he goes, all right, well, you know, you got like, uh, you have like days where you write good shit, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you have days where you write bad stuff. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, hey, you have people that really like you, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you probably got a couple people who don't like you or enemies or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah. Yeah, he got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he, he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, this is it. So just cool. Oh, Chill out, man. <laughs> so do you get do you get writers in these rooms that aren't comics? Well, I mean, yeah, like there's, there's some stand-ups, there's some people. I mean, I've been fucking so fortunate, man. I've written with, you know, I just got on an office show where I wrote with Chuck Tatham and Dan O'Shannon and Emily Wilson and, and Betsy Thomas and, and Neil Goldman and, names. you know, like, Garrett, these are people that have fucking written for everything from Modern Family to New Hearts to Community to um, fucking Frasier to, really? yeah, like, you know they've written uh, to Star Trek like everything under the and there's some real fucking G's what in was that, that show? Were you, were you it on? was Superior Donuts. This was just oh Superior, Superior Donuts. Donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then before that, it was like I was at Not Safe World writing with fucking Frank Sebastiano and and Benji, and who's got now his own show on Freeform and fucking Lizzie Cooperman and Emmy Blotnick and Jared, you know Moskowitz, Steve Melcher, and all these uh, you know people who are fucking Bob Castroni, like all these people that are like all have multiple credits and are killing it you know being on the you know like the roasts where you're writing with like a bunch of, and i'm not like a restaurant i was really lucky i got to write for for a week but you work with so many people are so great and it also like it, it really it really kind of diminishes your it really takes away your ego and pride as far as jokes like joke theft for me is a big deal but it's not as big of a deal as it used to be before i got in these rooms because you literally see four people coming up with the same fucking joke independently of one another and you're like there's no way this was stolen. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You just see it. You're like, there, there is parallel thinking. There yeah. is parallel thinking. If the setup and the punch are the same, there's a problem. But if it's like, oh, that punch is similar, or oh, that setup's kind of different. Yeah, I mean, that setup's kind of similar. Like, we're all kind of cooking from the same soup. Yeah. You know, the reason that a bunch of people laugh is that, you know, a, a thing relates to a bunch of people. So, of course, people are going to write about what's relatable as well. So, it's it's almost like, they, they I feel like comedy writing is almost like, you know, like, they always say this about the Bill Clinton presidency. Like he was just ahead of the public consciousness. And that's why he wasn't too far, you know, to the left, like crazy Nader. He wasn't like back in, you know, the stone age, you know, like fucking, uh, God, like what we have fucking now, but it's like, yeah. just, it's like being just ahead. And I feel like comedy is like that too. Like you want to be just ahead of the audience. You want to know, you don't want to be so far fucking ahead that they're not going to be able to relate to you, but you don't want to like, do stuff where yeah you'll get the laugh but then you want to take a shower afterwards you know? yeah so. now when you go into like michelle wolf's show uh -huh. do you do you have to i know michelle's like a a, a real writer as oh, well as yeah, a great yeah, stand-up yeah. like she's written yeah for like everything but but do you have to come in like I, like I, this is the cool thing of like a TV show I think you go in your first day and does everyone do you guys create the show then or do they have like well a, I, I I'll be able to tell you next week you know what I mean like every show is kind of different and um, you know I know some of the people there like Dan Powell I've worked with before and he show ran on Amy Schumer's show and he's great and uh, you know. Um, Christine Nagel is a great writer. She's the head writer over there. So I'm really looking forward to working with some of the talent. Are there any comics there. I know that are uh, on Do you know Greg Stone and Anthony DeVito? I know. I feel like I know Anthony they, DeVito. They're, they're um, yeah, they're, they're really good comics. Um, and then um, 
Dwayne Perkins, I think, is Dwayne right Perkins for is it. Fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, I he's, loves Dwayne. He stand up so. Um, so yeah, there are there are standups in there, awesome. and I, I did Dwayne's podcast. I don't think he even knows that we're both writing on the show. But oh, really? Yeah. Um, how did you? How did you? Did you have to submit a package? I did. I submit. I wrote a packet for it while I was writing on you know on on donuts. You know, so it was it was kind of an intense week because I'm, you know, you know, you get a sixty hour day a week for network, and then every night you're writing shit, and also my girlfriend's in town, so it was just like, you know, it was like two jobs plus a late. But you know, I always bitch to this stuff to guys with kids, and they're like, "Yeah, dude, it's fine. You're yeah. fine." So wait, I'm this. I this. I mean, you don't have to tell me everything yeah, about yeah, this, yeah. but like one of the most. Cur- I think probably the one thing everyone that listens to this podcast or most people uh-huh. would be curious about is what goes into a writer's packet. I mean, it's just like I. I always think about this is like. Uh, you know, you get the out, you get the out. You've done it. You know, you were talking I, about it earlier. So. I did it, but I think they told me what they wanted. Yeah, I think that's the same thing. They tell really? you what we wanted, and I find that like the jobs that I've gotten, you know, or uh, the jobs that I've come close to getting, uh, I, uh, I, I, it's pretty easy in some ways to write the packet. Like you kind of do it, and a lot of it's you know the rewriting stuff is tough because you're like, but like if if if, if you get a packet and a bunch of ideas come out immediately. Oh, there's a good chance you should write for that show. If you're looking at a packet and you're agonizing over this packet, probably means you're not a good fit for the show, so don't fucking waste your time. Yeah. And I'm not telling people who are new writers or stand-ups. If you're new, fucking do it. You know, like do every single one you can get because you don't know what you're not right for yet. Yeah. And you're probably not good yet anyway, so just keep going. And the, and yeah, the one the one joke I wrote, there was this uh there's the only joke I really remember uh is there was a clip of this woman who's in a van and a little dog had bit her in the pussy. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, and the, that was one of the clips they sent us. Yeah. Is uh, what jokes would you write for this? I found out this is like a packet for This Is Us or something. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, all I remember is I was like, oh, I, I actually deal with this every week when I go on the road. I spray Tabasco on my wife's pussy so that no one will mess with it. So try spraying Tabasco on your pussy and dogs definitely won't bite it. Or if they do, they'll know not to do it again. And that was the only joke I remember writing that I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I should save that for myself. I was like, <laughs> well, that happens a lot. I mean, I think that that, that happens, you know, cause you're like, like I'll, you know, like I'll have that too. Like Michelle is a fucking terrific standup, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, you want to like make sure that their stuff is, but you know, is great when you're like writing stuff for them and cause their stuff already is great, but you get like, you put so much shit and we're going to shit and it's, it's harder for you to fucking, you know, it's harder. It's just harder, man. It's harder for you. I don't to know do if it. I could work for someone like Michelle because she works so hard that I'd imagine she'd want you to work that oh, hard. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm, I'd be like, I'm oh, pumped, I phoned man. it in a lot. I'm fu- <laughs> no, I, no, I'm fucking pumped. I, I, I love it. But I think every time that you're working, whether it was this show or the show before that, and you're working a lot, you know, it's you have less. You, you, it, it's you don't have as much time to come up with your own stand-up yeah. you know but if it's if it's somebody i believe in like her or some of the other people you know i don't give a fuck man some of those late night talk shows on on netflix they're like i've never really gotten into the talk shows on netflix 
Like the, yeah, like the late night one. So I'm dying to see because I'm certain. Yeah, it's like a talk like, sketch show. Yeah, yeah. Someone like Michelle's looking at it, going, "Okay, I've, I've seen all the other stuff. Now let's make, let's do mine." I think she does, you know. And I, you know, I don't want to really go into the stuff that I've known about the show so far. But this is a, she's a singular vision. You know, she's a great. I, I say before, I mean, like her last special reminded me of, you know, Chris Rock type of shit. So, you know, I think she has a good idea of where she wants to go. Yeah. So, I mean. And, uh, you know, as far as stand-up, like, I always wanted to, like, and I don't even know if I'm going to have that, but, you know, like, I always think we were talking about career goals earlier. Like, I think it's, like, you know, there's only going to be so many fucking Rolling Stones of stand-ups or Bruce Springsteen's or, or like, fucking Dr. Dre's of stand But there's, like, like if you could be a Warren Zevon, that would be pretty cool. Like, or Black Crows. I'll be a yeah, Black Crows. Black play, Crows. Play she st- talks to angels yeah, every night. Yeah, she talks to angels. Yeah, you got a <laughs> yeah. couple good tunes. Oh, I'm cool shit. With that. You want, like, oh, he did that one, too? That's, yeah. That's kind of the career you oh, want. Oh, yeah. That, I did like that story. Yeah. I wouldn't mind being the train of stand-up. Put on <laughs> I a don't cruise, know, Put on a cruise every year. <laughs> sing the hits. I feel like, you guys want to have a cocktail? I feel I'll like you're the... the I can comfortably say that you're the train of stand-up. You're I love okay. it. You got it. You guys should do a joint... Dude, I went, I went, we worked with them for Tribal Channel for an episode and everyone was like, I mean, they're I, nice guys. They're, right? they're, well, everyone's like, it's train. And everyone's like, yeah, whatever. And so then for, you know, it's not, none of us are like big train fans. So we buy their album and we try to play it and everyone's like, eh, pass. Then we meet them and they're awesome. They're like the greatest you guys. Start playing the album again. Uh, and they're like, they're like really cool. And they come and they eat dinner with us and they, we hang and we're like, wow, they're really fucking nice. And then they say, are you guys coming to the show tonight? And now all of us are like. We're like, all of us are like, yeah, yeah, we'll come to the show. Yeah, we know we'll come to the show. And they're like, cool. So now all of us are, the jaded crew is start, start like, and then they're like, yeah, if you guys want to come backstage or anything, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Backstage pass is cool. And then they get us really nice seats. And then they start playing songs. And we're like, oh, we love this song. We didn't know they played this song. And then they're like, Bert, you coming on stage? I was like, fuck yeah. You're my favorite band in the world. And then for like two years after, anytime we heard a train song, all of us would be like, guys, this is our song. Dude, train's fucking bad. And they do a cruise every year. That's awesome. Oh, I'd love to just, I'd love to just. I call it cutting the sleeves off your comedy where you just, it's like Larry Cable guy in the up and just going, no, I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm, I may make 5 million for my special. I'm never making 20 million that Chris Rock gets. I may never be like, no one's going to write a expose on me in New York times about how I changed the social conversation in this country, but I've got a great fucking life and I got fans and you can sell otter boxes at my shows. Like I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'd be very cool with yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. I'd be cool with being Angela Johnson. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, she's got the the one fucking nail salon bit that murders. That's no one can deny isn't a fucking amazing bit. Right. She writes her own stuff. Always does a new hour at the end. Tells you kind of are the Angela Johnson. I, I will would. take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I would. I would say that Dude, that's... she moved four thousand tickets in fucking Tennessee. Jesus Christ. That's like you know who else does that? By the way, uh, Bill Burr. Yeah. He he moves. The exact same amount of tickets as Angela Johnson. Exact. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'm very fucking cool with that. Like, and I and I met her, really down to earth, really cool, really sweet. Watched her do her stand up. We laughed our dicks off. We're like, she's funny as fuck. She appreciates good comedy. She's got the life. Her sister tours with her. They make some cool food in the green room. Like, you know, because they're Mexican. She made some salsa and some... It's great life. Dude, it's a great fucking life. Anyone who looks at it there's young and shits on that and goes, oh, yeah, but she's only got one. No, I don't give a fuck. Some people don't get one good joke. Some people yeah. don't get one. Lots of us don't get one good joke. I'll take, I'll take one. 
Yeah, I'll take one. I'll take one. Right? <laughs> did you get into this business with like a jaded like? Did you come in like, or were you like, I'm looking to party? Like I, I was looking at it. I like, mean, I wanted to be great, and I wanted to be like one of the cool guys and shit like that, and I wanted to be funny and successful, and then. And now I just kind of want to be fucking happy and have a yeah. roof over my head and like happy. I, I would. I don't want to write hack shit, you know. In any way, yeah. but I don't need to be. Uh, I the days of me wanting to be the guy are fucking over, you know. Like that, that's that's not. It's probably not going to happen whether I wanted to it to or not. But I really do enjoy writing funny shit, working with funny people, being funny. Yeah, and having a good woman, you know, living in a great city. I mean, you know, my life is pretty fucking pretty fucking all right. Dude. Look at Colin Quinn, great wife, dude. Colin Quinn. Like, I don't think, I don't, like, if I said to a bunch of millennials, you, you guys find this Colin Quinn, they'd be like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Man, let me tell you something. The greatest comic. The fun. Every, oh, so funny. Every fucking time he's funny. Every time. I was, I was telling, I, when I was last there and I saw Colin, I like, told him, like, that bit about, uh, I still laugh at that bit of, you know, the, each, like, the, the family, getting out of the family reunion or family, and then each... Each time they drop someone off, they talk shit on the other person. You know? I haven't heard it. Oh, it's great. And his New York story, that's so awesome. That uh, Do you, you read that book or listen to the audio from it? No. Oh, it's great. You, he, it's what a book it? on tape. It's New York story. I think it's... it's No, it's the coloring book. I'm sorry, shit. The coloring book? Oh, yeah, it's check on audiobook? It's an audiobook? Yeah, it's really great, dude. I'm getting you it right now. It. Hold on yeah. one second. Coloring I'm getting book. it right now. I, I saw him do. I, I can't say enough about that fucking dude. You for know real? What I mean, yeah. Oh, about how great he is, yeah. dude. I saw him. Oh, check it out. I, he he did an episode for uh, my travel channel show with me. Yeah, and uh, the coloring book. Yeah, yeah. Let me know what you think of it. A comedian solves race. I'm I'm buying it right now, dude. It's great. Twenty four dollars. Who told me about that. everyone? Let's all buy. This fucking book and yeah. raise it to the top of the charts this week. <laughs> it's uh, great. The coloring book is great. Let's see. I'm buying. Double click to pay. I think I did that right. Double click to play. How do I? We'll figure out this later. Um, but yeah, he's he he did a bit where where he uh, we brought in two people that were traveling and we put an IFB. I was like, this is my brilliant idea. We'll put an IFB in the kid's ear. We'll get him up at Gotham and then we'll have Colin tell him jokes and then he'll repeat them and he'll get to see what it's like to be a comic on stage. Cause comics got, jo Colin's got yeah. jokes and he can do, he could do like a bunch of short jokes. I, I'm more like I, a kid couldn't do what I can do. Like I, right. no, I don't mean that arrogant. But like I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do what Colin can do. Right, like I, right, I, right, right. I need to feel the room. I need to kind of work myself into it, and then I tell a story. I don't. It just is too hard to do. Colin can do like set a punch, set a punch, and then something a little longer, set a punch. So we get the kid in an IFB. Well, David Tell would be great. David Tell would be perfect. We couldn't get a tell. Yeah, uh, Colin was going to be doing a spot there. I ran into him outside. I said, "Hey, would you do this for me?" And he was like, uh, "Yeah." So Colin's like, "I think I don't think it's going to work the way you think it's going to work, though." And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, look, why don't we do like a practice round? We'll do it in the green room. I'll stand outside the green room We'll put the kid in the green room and he'll tell his jokes to you. I'll tell him in his ear. And so I was like, okay, so we do it. And Colin's got the mic and he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, oh, fucking look at this guy. Who are you? What are you? A failed professional wrestler talking to me and to the kid, the kid hears it, looks at me, realizes Colin's talking about me and starts laughing hysterically. And I go, what's he saying? He goes, oh, oh, no, hold on, hold on, slower, say it again. So he's 
the kid you forget that Colin's being hilarious into the kid's <laughs> ear so all he's doing is fucking laughing so it was it was a fail so we just had the kid go up on stage and he just bombed but that night Colin told a joke I'm sure it's in one of his hours where he goes everyone's talking about global warming global warming oh save the fucking polar bears let me tell you something people if a polar bear walked in here right now you'd be throwing chairs at it <laughs> <laughs> he's so funny man he really is fucking amazing so funny dude god damn so when do you go to when do you go to New York? Saturday morning. I'm excited to you know live with my my lady and work on this show. A lot of really funny people on it, and uh, excited to do stand up in New York again. Hopefully, I have a little bit of time to do a little stand up. And where you gonna live in see New York? See my family, East Village. East Village. Yeah, right by Ari. What what street? Uh, I think it's I think it's like I forget exact. It's it's in the. Oh, yeah. I'm just moving in where my chick is. So. Ari's on 13th in between 1st and 2nd. Yeah. It's a I don't white know building. It's a white building. Teens. I think it's, it's number 112. Yeah. It's it's, it's in the East Village. It's it's somewhere. You're giving the 112. 13th Street <laughs> is Ari's address. I'm pretty sure it's 113. <laughs> Let me give you his phone number. <laughs> Social security number. <laughs> By the way, it's not his real address, you fucking idiots. Yeah, uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he uh, he lives in the East Village. Every time I go there, I do, go to his house. He's got a great place. And we do a, like walk around the East Village. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And and you're going there right for spring. That's when all the bras come off. Oh, uh, yeah. Do they still do that or is the millennials wear uh, bras? I think they kind of... Um I think they kind of take it out. They, I, I, every once in a while in Union Square, you'll see somebody with their tits out walking around. Oh, tits It's like out. a statement. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's oh, like a I political just... pro- tits. Or, then there's usually a guy with his dick out, but that's usually for different reasons, not political. <laughs> it's just, I do it for political reasons. Yeah, I do it for... Wait, wait, it was for political reasons. Gun control! Well, I, my dick's out of the subway, you know? Um, well, that's awesome, man. I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited for Michelle's thank show. You, thank you for have, having me, man. No, and you're getting, I'm sure you'll be doing Nikki's new um, yeah, radio I, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just talked to Nikki about that, and I, I have an album coming out on May 12th, so hopefully I can tweet at you guys when that comes out. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it's called um, No Real Winners Here, and that's going to be on 800 Pound Gorillas records so i'm excited for that to come out too and i have a podcast total effing marks on all things comedy so yeah well uh well i'm are you gonna keep doing the podcast when you're in new york yeah i'm gonna keep doing the wrestling podcast and then yeah and then hopefully i'm able to do a couple things before i release the album you know yeah well let me know text me i'll give you my number okay text me when your album comes out so that i can tweet about it and oh thanks dude and and post about it and whatnot and then keep my number in case you fall off the wagon again yeah i'd be interested to see what that looks like (laughs) up close and personal you put i put i put a a headphone in your ear and you start like yeah harassing people yeah exactly it'd be great (laughs) but i appreciate you doing this thanks man thank you so much yeah man thank you so much for having me I'm, i'm pumped to do it no fuck yeah thank you this episode was brought to you by the machine